Hi. 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 So, oh, sorry, I got stuck. Hi, I'm Lyman, and I am here with my good friend Marcel, and together we are presenting you the Jazz and Grass and Other Stuff 2 podcast. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Really, really not that exciting, but um, I, I hope you're excited to be here anyway. I hope you're you're ready to be underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always imagine the music going off, like you know, the music you're hearing now is probably fading out, like right here. I don't know. I always imagine it, but it never happens when we uh, re- actually record the podcast. I I do that in post with some some editing magic. Yeah, can can I can I like give a message to like uh, future Lyman? Like, can we bring the music back like a little bit right now, uh, and then cut it off? Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> and we've done it. That's a podcast. Uh, yeah. Anyway, folks, it's uh, worth mentioning that uh, if you're here and you don't know already, we do run the Jazz and Grass account on Instagram which is a new guitar lick every single day. Um, me and Lyman post every weekday, and we go back and forth between bluegrass and jazz. I'm the grass side of things. He's the jazz side of things. And mm-hmm. um, we don't post on the weekend because on the weekend we do this, man. A new one of these comes out every Sunday. Usually I'm here. Every once in a while I'm not here. Lyman, mm-hmm. Lyman has a better attendance record than me. He's been on every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day I can pawn it off on you just once. <laughs> I'm going to do it with my sock puppets because I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we do the Instagram thing, and that's been, that's been going pretty good. Uh, we're about to hit 750 followers. I think the last time we updated you, we were about to hit 700. So uh, it's still growing. There's still, there's still more. <laughs> it hasn't gotten smaller yet. Yay. Um, but if you would like to talk to us, ask us a question, or you know, make some derogatory remarks, you can call or text <laughs> our, uh, our our message hotline, uh, the Jazz and Grass hotline, and you can reach that at area code 724-257-1046. That's area code 724-257. Two five seven one zero four six. I still haven't called that. By the way, did you like? Is there a little like message that tells you to leave a message? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's my dumb voice. Uh, your beautiful voice. <laughs> man, yeah. I should call that just to just to hear your voice. Speaking of that, do we have any messages on that thing, man? Oh yeah, we got. Um, we actually have a couple questions. One from email and one from. Uh, from a from a texter from our Instagram account, actually, um, but let's get into that in a little bit. I want to hear about uh, your trip to Asheville. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, I mean the 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 story is basically there's this uh, guy named uh, Mickey Abraham, and he plays with a band called Bell and the Band, and he writes all of the monthly tabs for Flat Picking Guitar Magazine. And I've been following his tabs for a long time and all of his arrangements of tunes. And uh, they're all wonderful and um, real real kind of uh, giving away secrets kind of stuff. And uh, 
I found his YouTube account recently, and I sent I, I left this real kind of creeper comment that was like, "Hey, what you talked about in this video is the same as like that uh, tab that you released five years ago, is it not?" And <laughs> he messaged me back, and we ended up talking a bunch. We're uh, you know we're Facebook official now, and uh, he he said I should come out and see him in Asheville. So I hadn't been to Asheville yet. We went out, and it's a super music town. It's actually a lot. Uh, it, it's super similar to like Bellingham, Washington. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got to see a bunch of like great music. We got to go to a bunch of jams. Uh, I met some other people who have uh, done some uh, serious musician work. There's a guy named Drew who runs the jam at Jack of the Wood and at the Bywater, and he was the mandolin player for Billy Strings. If you're a bluegrass fan, I'm sure you know that name. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a really fun weekend, and it was fun to hang out with Mickey and his whole crew and everything. Um, Sadly, I was not here for the podcast, though. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, we had Mr. Miles uh, last week. <laughs> so, a couple questions regarding that. Is Billy Strings, is his actual last name Strings? I don't know, actually. <laughs> um, I, I assume it's some kind of joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's a, uh, well, never mind, I won't even get into that. But yeah, I, I assume it's some kind of joke. Mm-hmm. I, every time I ask a question like that, I feel like uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover. Uh, <laughs> did Caesar really live here? <laughs> and uh, two, uh, when I was watching the video, it did remind me of Bellingham like a tick. So I'm glad you uh, you acknowledged that. Yeah, it's a super artsy town. Yeah, uh, well, I guess I should have said that too. If you want to see the whole trip, you can watch it on my YouTube channel, unless it's with Marcel. Yeah, um, I watched the vlog. He threw in one of my favorite jokes of all time at the end from a Vine star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Road is, work ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I sent you that that video with no context. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, I saw a sign that said tree work ahead. And I'm not sure if I hope that it does. <laughs> Something like that, though. Um, uh, I actually took a trip recently as well. Um, yeah, where'd you wanna, head off to? Uh, I, I headed off to Flagstaff, Arizona. I love Flagstaff. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Bellingham as well. Yeah, super like college town. Yeah, and like the, the downtown area with all the bricks and stuff, and there was a pita pit on the corner. I just felt like I was back home. Like 20 kids doing parkour outside of a church. <laughs> I don't know why. Flagstaff has so many just like kids like jumping off railings and stuff. I don't know what's up with that. But um, I was doing a show in Flagstaff and I, I didn't know what it was, you know, what it was for. I, I, I'm the kind of guy like I just get called. I told I'm told what to play and like where to show up. And that's what I do. I don't think too hard about it because if I think too hard, my head's going to hurt. Um, <laughs> but it turns out it was a it was an opening for uh, like a grand opening for like this uh, new line of custom handcrafted guitars. Um, the The line is called Solstice Handcrafted Guitars. Um, and the the master luthier who this is his brainchild. His name is uh, Ryan R. Elawat. I think I'm saying that name right. Uh, I, I got to meet him. 
He was a super cool guy. Um, he had one of his custom bases at the, the showroom type thing. And uh, he let me play it the entire night, uh, all three sets. And I, I could not put that thing down. Um, That's awesome. The action was perfect. Uh, the tone was beautiful. It was, it was kind of like it had one of those single or like a single humbucker, like at the bridge, like kind of stingray style. Um, and the entire first set, I was just trying to figure out what all the knobs did. Um, <laughs> so I got some weird sounds the first set. And then, and then he told me it was a three band EQ. So I had bass mid treble and that made oh. everything easier, but that was yeah. super cool. Like having three pots with the, the EQ, um, where the tone knobs would be. Cause that's pretty much how I think of tones, like the way you EQ the sound. And I like having more control rather than less control. So what are you, you're sponsored by this guy now? No, uh, this is hashtag not spawn. Like I actually just really <laughs> liked, uh, this guy's instruments. Uh, but, uh, let me read the, the quick little description of, a. Uh, of the his new line of guitars. Right, Solstice Guitars represents the culmination of a career dedicated to guitar luthery. Luthery. That's You're a killing word. it. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this new this new line of instruments features a unique blend of modern and classic design work, the highest level of quality and craftsmanship, innovative building techniques and new construction approaches. Solstice models are based on tradition and technology with a focus on tone through innovation, playability, and individuality. Uh, and there's your, uh, your reading out loud for the week. I apologize to everybody who just listened to that. I love it, man. One of these <laughs> weeks when I can't make it, you just got to read out of the dictionary or something. <laughs> oh, that'll be terrible. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like he had a bunch of guitars. Um, we, we were in like this kind of fancy bar and he brought a bunch of guitars with him, the ones that he made. And uh, he was letting people try them out and they're, they're super cool. So I highly recommend you, uh, you check them out. Um, his website is customsoundinstruments.com. And that's all one word, customsoundinstruments.com. And uh, again, hashtag not spawn. Like, this is not paid for in any way. Um, I'm going there right now. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> at, at least check out check out his guitars. Um, it, it's my life goal to get one of his basses now because I, I like the stuff he puts together. He's got a nice website, too. Yeah, and that's if, right. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm just commenting on the quality of the website. Ooh, good looking website. <laughs> <laughs> for for those of you who don't know, Marcel also builds websites and uh, is quite good at it. Not for anyone, just in my spare time. I just I just make them. I set them free. <laughs> uh, Tape up their wing a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah, well, those are great, actually. Um, 
Once again, the website is customsoundinstruments.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for the, the nice little lob, and I, uh, I fouled it off pretty good. <laughs> Didn't even hit it in play, but I, I got a piece. Yeah. It was like real wide right, and someone got to catch it. So, you know, some, <laughs> someone wins. <laughs> Baseball joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, man, I want to talk about what cup you're drinking out of today. Um, that's interesting because it's sort of a cup as in it holds liquid, but it was sealed when I, uh, when I bought it. You're drinking out of a can today. Yeah, it's a NOS. What's, what's going on? Um, today's going to be a really long day for me, so I need to perk up a little bit. Um, I, I feel the NOS already kicking in. That's good. Uh, but I wanted to address why my, my wife doesn't let me use glass. Um, instead of instead of our normal what what's Lyman drinking out of segment, instead we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have Lyman talk more about why he only drinks out of plastic cups for children. <laughs> it's one hundred percent for my own safety, um, and probably a little bit for for her safety as well. Um, it's not good to step on broken glass all of the time. <laughs> uh, Sometimes maybe, but. I mean, clearly, I'm, I'm a little bit of a moron because I break every single glass I touch. But <laughs> using, you know, deductive reasoning, that, that also means I'm a moron when I sweep up the broken glass, so I'm going to miss some for sure. Uh, so she's not being controlling or anything. It's, I, I hate to say this, it's actually a mutual decision that's <laughs> good for the safety of both of us that I can't drink out of glasses. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and I can drop a cup, like a plastic cup, and it, it just spills water everywhere. It doesn't break stuff all the time, only sometimes. Yeah, now you just need to get some of those uh, lids, that, uh, like the sippy cups. Mm. I don't want to go into sippy cup timeout. <laughs> At least Man, uh, there's nothing not better to drink your apple juice out of. You're going to be <laughs> drinking apple juice. And get yourself a sippy cup. <laughs> Maybe some chocolate milk. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, <laughs> I loved I loved that story. I feel like we haven't talked enough music today, though. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, What'd you do this morning, man? Segway, 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 segway. Uh, I uh, picked up a substitute teaching job at a rec center teaching beginning guitar and beginning percussion. And this is my first foray into group lessons. So the the students are teaching me more than I'm teaching them. Uh, but, like, uh, I, I enjoy teaching, but I'm having, like, some difficulties with, like, age differences and skill level differences and trying to balance you know all the time and stuff like okay i'm gonna spend three minutes with this group and then three minutes with you and then two minutes with you and then yeah it's been it's been challenging interesting and a lot of fun and uh i think they're getting at least some of something out of it uh they're probably going to be excited when the regular guy comes back uh in a little <laughs> bit so what are you what are you working on right now with them 
Um, we have a, again, hashtag not spawn, uh, Hal Leonard guitar book, like the complete guitar method. And uh, it there, there's no tab in it, which is, which is awesome, I think. Um, and so we're learning the notes on the first string, also known as the E string. And the the notes on the B string right now. And uh, do they do they call them first and second string in the book? Yeah, they they use the numbered system. I hate that. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I you know like you're gonna have to learn the note names anyway when you tune the thing. So just <laughs> why do we gotta use numbers anyway? Sorry. Um, I hated the number system for a long time, but it was a it was. Like once I learned it, it was super useful, like for beginning students. Yeah. Um, also, one thing I've noticed with beginners, they call this the top string and this the bottom string. Yeah, I hate that. It's in relation to pitch, not in relation to like real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. This is facing the sky and this is facing the ground. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's that's one thing I've had to uh, talk about a little bit. Um, I also do a uh, I'm taking over for the dude's intro to music theory course, and uh, I started like at very 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 square one, like uh, frequency and pitch, and the fact that this is 110 hertz, and when you tune your guitar, you're listening for phase cancellation. Hear that phase cancellation? Phase cancellation ASMR? <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, I figured, like, I, I didn't know where they were as far as what they'd learned about music theory. So I just went to absolute... Very, very beginning square one. Yeah, you were that, like, let's talk about that wobbly sound. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one thing I noticed about the book is that the way it's set up and the melodies um, that uh, it has them play, like it really sets them up well to, to play chords. Like just getting their left hand... Um, acclimated to playing sets you up for pretty nicely yeah. um so the book to me is is genius um but i've never really taught much out of a book before i don't prefer to but i'm changing my tune right now a little bit um i like those sort of building blocks that uh are are built upon when you when you build well, up think, your building <laughs> <laughs> i think books work really well when you have a group um because there's there's uh you you can continue to like hold hands with people or <laughs> people can kind of like read ahead and work a little bit harder and that's what i always liked in band class uh like you know my first year in like sixth grade or whatever um, that helped me a lot because 
I knew that I could just read ahead and go on and do whatever I wanted and find like the challenging part in the back of the book. And, um, you know, while every day in class, like continuing to go along as we progress through the book. Um, I think that when you're doing one-on-one lessons, sometimes the book thing gets really tough. Unless unless the teacher's really using it like a tool and they're like flipping through to different parts and they're like assigning you whatever, right? They, it's mm-hmm. They're not just following it step by step. Um, and I've had teachers do both with me. And uh, man, I really prefer when they know the subject matter and they're just whipping around in there to like give you what's relevant. Yeah, I've always, like, that's, that's the only really le- lessons I've enjoyed is when I'm, Studying with a guy, we just have our instruments and we just sit and talk and play. And he tells me where I'm bad and how to fix it. Um, but uh, we'll get more on that building blocks thing a little bit later. Because we have a couple questions uh, oh, we're doing sent questions. in by uh, listeners. And... Uh, Instagram peoples. But uh, Miles and I addressed this question um, last week a little bit, uh, but I wanted to get your take on it, Marcel. Um, yeah, sure. So this this question is from, from Peter, and he says, I've what's been up, a... Peter? Yeah, what's up, dog? <laughs> uh, he says... <clears throat> I've been a bluegrass and jazz bass player for a long time now, but I'm trying to focus on guitar. As both of you made the transition, what did you find most helpful in learning how to think like a guitarist and maybe some exercises to not just play walking bass lines when playing lead? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I I bet I'm going to say the exact same thing everyone else said. Um, I think it's really important to think of the instrument you're playing as that instrument. Um, and if, if that means having to start over a little bit, um, I mean, that's the way to do it, right? Don't, uh, sometimes when you, when you start a different instrument, you're, you're tempted to say, well, I know this and I know that, and I play a little piano and I do this. And so when I play this instrument, I can convert all of that. And sometimes you don't want to do that because then you're just playing that instrument like, you play all those other things. Really good example is when I initially switched from guitar and I started learning some mandolin. Mandolin is tuned with the E string being the highest string and then E, A, D, G. So it's like your four lowest strings on the guitar reversed. And, um, you know, upside down rather. And so when I started playing mandolin, I was like, oh, well, I can just flip everything upside down. And, uh, And I started doing that, but then I was just, playing mandolin like it was a guitar upside down, right? It didn't really have any mandolin characteristics. So yeah, I guess the, the advice I'd give is that you uh, you definitely look into what the guitar is capable of. So if you're switching from, you know, like a bluegrass bass to like a bluegrass lead guitar, right, you're going to want to get away from all of that walking bass stuff probably, and you're going to want to spend a lot of time maybe on like your three highest strings, um, your G, B, and E strings, so that way you can kind of see how those scales fits. And of course, instead of playing quarter notes, you should get used to playing eighth notes and putting lines together in that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, good luck to you. Yeah, buddy. Um, and I would uh, I would say listen to last week's podcast, even though you probably already have for, for my, uh, my half of the answer, which is just <laughs> start on all sorts of different chord tones and play diatonic and arpeggiated 
things to create lines. So that's uh, the TLDR of, of my answer <laughs> last week. If you don't want to listen, yeah. Um, well, I don't want to listen to you. I mean, that's just me, though. And we've uh, we've received a text message. Our very first, uh, besides the one that my wife sent to the account that said "butts." Um, so I guess this is yeah. a perfect uh, time to respond to that. Uh, you have one, and so do I. Yeah, man. Nice. Lots of people have one. <laughs> I, I think mine's broken, though. It has a crack in it. You're such a dad. <laughs> and you say, hi, dad, I'm Lyman, or something, right? <laughs> you, you got that, that space dad shirt. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, out um, of this world dad. Out of this world dad. Uh <laughs> But this this question is from Nicole, and I I have no idea how to uh, to say her last name. Yo, shout out to Nicole. Uh, her question reads: Hey there, this is Nicole, something last name from Mount Dora, Florida, and her Instagram handle is n e q u e r m e, and that's all one word. And her question is, wondering what scale you might use to improvise bluegrass with. There are more chromatic movements than in a nor- normal blues scale. So is there another scale that has all of those blue chromatic runs you hear in bluegrass solos? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Is that it? Is that all of it? That's the question. Um, well, I'm going to tell you what Lyman uh, told me when I met Lyman. Um uh, <clears throat> Lyman, uh, Lyman was playing some uh, jazz stuff on my guitar. He had picked it up when we were at a band rehearsal or something. And I asked him that. I was like, hey, what, what scales are you using to play jazz? Like, you know, and I'm sure I said some things about modes or whatever. And when I was done talking, Lyman was like, well, the scale I use most often is the chromatic scale. It's got all the notes. <laughs> and I thought it was such a jerk thing to say. For a long time, I was like, man, Lyman's just a jerk. And then when I got uh, better as an improviser, I was like, oh, I get what he was saying. You were, you were saying in your, in your own mean way, you, you were saying that it's probably not really about the scales, right? There's probably a better way to structure these things and put them together um, that relates more to uh, like chord tones, what chords you're playing over, as opposed to just... As opposed to just thinking that there's one scale and slamming away at it. Um, I'm going to give you kind of a shorter version of a YouTube video that I made. It's called um, What Scales to Use for Bluegrass, I think is what the name of the video is. Um, and I go really in-depth about this. But there's a really simple concept so when you're taking a genre and you're saying, what notes can I play over what chords? Because it's really what it's about. It's that you have to tailor what you're playing to every single chord as it passes by for you to feel like you're part of the song and not just randomly playing notes over it. So if you take every chord, for instance, if you take a G chord and you test all 12 chromatic notes on it, um, you're looking for the ones that sound um, consonant in a bluegrass way, right? So everything that you know about bluegrass has to work with your ear to find those notes. And the notes that you'll probably find are G, A, B, D, and E, which is good news because that's your G pentatonic scale. If you do that for your C chord, you'll find the exact same thing. You'll find C, D, E, G, and A, which is your C major pentatonic scale. If you try that for a chord like D7, you'll probably find your dominant pentatonic scale. Over D, that would be D, E, F sharp, what is that, A and C. Mm -hmm. So instead of the sixth, we now have the dominant seventh. And those notes are going to tell you 
more about the chord than uh, than you know just one scale over the whole thing, right? These are collections of notes that will work over every chord as they move through. And if you want to think about it this way, um, it's basically that chord's major scale, uh, but only a couple notes from it, one, two, three, five, and six. And then in the case of the D7 chord, one, two, three, five, and the dominant seven. <clears throat> now, when you put this together, if you just put it together like that, you'll end up with something that sounds really cheesy. Um, it's not going to sound very musical. It's going to sound real kind of basic, a little childish probably. So you need, you need vocab and you need context to add to that. When you add to it, most of the time, the initial things that get added are uh, chromatic movements around the third, and I like to call that the dirty third, your flat third going up to your actual uh, major third, and that can be extended to uh, two flat three major third, um, you know, which would be a slightly longer run. Those are probably some of the chromatic movements that you're hearing, Nicole. Um, the other one that you're definitely hearing is a walk from the root down to the uh, dominant seventh. So for instance, if you had root, then major seven, then flat seven, like over that D7 chord, you're probably hearing that chromatic movement too. Um, and it, there's more. I mean, you could do more. In, in bluegrass, they sometimes they pepper in uh, these chromatic runs a lot more, and you'll get this weird passage that's more dynamic. But those are probably the things that you're hearing the most, and that's probably the most inclusive way to think about how to solo in bluegrass. Because there, like I said when I started, there isn't one scale that will actually help you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm glad you took the, the the brunt of this question because I, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to bluegrass, but I, I can talk a little bit about scales. Um, I like to combine C major and uh, G flat pentatonic. <laughs> and that uh, that actually gives you the chromatic scale. It gives you all twelve notes. Um, but what I, what I would do is I would, um, in a jazz setting at least, you've got the diatonic chord scale. So all these things are in in the key of C major, uh, and then C major again. Um, Look what, what notes from G-flat pentatonic you could use over each one of those chords. Um, so C major, you could use uh, um, G-flat or F-sharp. Um, and that's a consonant sound. Nice motion to the five. Uh, you can use uh, this note, A-flat. Um, As, as a passing tone, you can use uh, E-flat as a passing tone. Um, can't really use D-flat unless you're doing something like... Um, a walk down from the 9. What other notes are there? B flat. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would encourage you to do that over all the chords in a key and see, like, where could I fit in notes from that G flat or F sharp 
pentatonic scale. Um, because uh, the C major scale, it gives you seven notes that are quote unquote in key. And the F sharp pentatonic scale, major pentatonic, I should add, um, is all of the other notes. It's the quote unquote black keys. Um, so yeah, experiment, have fun. And I say that after every single thing I, I say, experiment, <laughs> have fun. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, you can take any, you know, over any chord, you can take any weird note and then pull yourself in a scenario where you have to justify it, um, which is, I think, really fun and super interesting um, to do. Um, I guess you can purposely paint yourself into a corner doing that live too. I mean, if you want to like really struggle in front of an audience, like put in some weird notes and then think your way out. Um, and I love doing that live. I think that's super fun. I think, and it, it, I, I think the audience normally gets clued in on it too. Like, oh, he's really stepping outside that comfort zone and he's trying to do all these, you know, other things. Can he get out? And if you manage to not fail your way out of that, I, I love that. Um, we have just received another text message, like literally as we record this podcast, and I got excited for a second. Oh, what is it? That's it, my wife again. She texted butts again. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm not joking. You can check the email. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, so Love it. Extra thank you to uh, uh, Peter and Nicole. We really appreciate you uh, writing in, and we hope that more of you do. More of you would write in and, you know, we can start a dialogue, have a, have some fun, have some conversations. And Yeah, I love it. To dear wife, if you're listening, uh, I know you're probably not, but no more butts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Well, anyway, man, look at this. We're like half an hour into this thing. We haven't even talked about our, our main subject for the day. Yeah, um... Why don't, why don't you take us in? I think this is a pretty good segue because um, we want to talk about building blocks for um, beginning, intermediate, and advanced playing, like improvisation, technical facility, uh, theoretical knowledge, like getting a good foundation and like placing small building blocks upon that foundation to grow and grow steadily. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, we're marketing our own line of uh, musical building blocks that have like sharps and flats and like repeat signs and, uh, you know, other things. Uh, they're for kids. Um, also, they all have mine and Lyman's face just super big on them. Mm -hmm. They're called Mew uh, blocks. Yeah. <laughs> Like Roblox, but uh, oh, nice. music. <laughs> Meme. <laughs> yeah, when are we coming out with the Jazz and Grass video game? <laughs> yeah, once, where's the tie-in? Once I find a, a coder. <laughs> yeah, all these ideas I got up here, they just need to come out. I just need a coder <laughs> to make that Jazz and Grass video game. <laughs> um, so yeah, like... I think if you're a beginning to intermediate guitar player, uh, a super useful building block for you to know is E major scale. Um, 
I'll take C for example. Cool, that's one position. Uh, I'll include a little bit of tab uh, for this as well. Here's another position. And uh, the first version of the scale included no shifts, and the second version included one shift. And uh, there, were, there were varying notes per string. Um, if you would like to get uh, deeper into things you could do with the major scale, you could restrict yourself to three notes per string. Uh, so starting on F, I actually really like that shape. You can move. And do that all the way up and down, practicing your three-note-per-string So that gives you like two and a half octaves with one scale position. Um, it's little things like that. Like you, you may feel like you have a good grasp on the major scale, but there's uh, all these things you can build upon when it comes to that. Yeah, you know, like part of part of learning and getting better is asking those questions. Like, hey, I can already do this in like one spot, is that really good enough for me right now? Or do, you know, should I be able to do that everywhere, right? And that's almost one of the first things that I do with uh, anything that I learn. Whenever I learn a new idea, I think to myself, all right, now I got to put this everywhere, right? There's no way I can I can live with just being able to do something in one spot that that would be a real bummer. I gotta, I gotta get this thing out everywhere on my instrument to try to make sure I have as as complete a knowledge set as I can get. Mm. Yeah, the major scale is a great example. Um, it's cool to think about too with something like the major scale is that you know our pentatonic scale, which you probably learned first because you're a guitar player, <laughs> um, has 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 five shapes and it's got five notes in the scale, right? Because you start every shape from a note in the scale. Um, uh, hashtag modes, uh, hashtag not go in there. And uh, you can do the same thing with the with the major scale, right? Of course, which means that you would have seven different shapes of your major scale if you did it that way. Um, and that would give you a complete sense of the major scale on the neck. Something to mm -hmm. think about. Do you know all seven shapes for all the scales you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, and I mean, you could think of those as modes, but I don't. Like... Could think of a C major scale starting on D as D Dorian, but I just think of C major as D Dorian, E Phrygian, F Lydian, G Mixolydian, A minor. I'm not using the Greek word for that one, and uh, B Locrian. Um, like I, it's good to know the modes so you can you know 
figure out how to alter them. But all seven of those scale positions on the 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 neck, both two and three notes per string, like and four notes per string. I just think of that as C major. And depending on what chord I am, it's becomes Dorian or Mixolydian or minor. Yep. Um, so you just covered all the useful notes. Yeah, Lydian's pretty useful because you can. Yeah, that's true. Make some some cool alterations like Lydian augmented and Lydian donament. Hey, I was just about to say though, like when you play Lydian, though everyone immediately changes it to like Lydian dominant. Mm-hmm. That's like what the conversation is about. It's not even about normal Lydian. I said we weren't going to talk about modes. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I went there. Sorry. Hashtag sorry. I'm actually sorry. Yeah, make sure to get on uh, Twitter and make sure all these hashtags start trending. Mm-hmm. Jazz and grass take over. <laughs> um, what what what's a building block you got? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, by the way, I think the major scale was a really good one too because, um, as guitar players, I feel like it's something that we don't learn until later, which is weird. Like we tend to guitar players tend to learn the pentatonic scale first before they learn the major scale, which is weird. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense for our instruments. It's just, it's still weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think a really good building block, um, or maybe, you know, like a, a concept to get into your head, is that uh, chords don't exist in one place. You know, a lot of times when you're starting out, it feels that way. You learn a chord in one place, and you're like, alright, that's a G chord. Alright, that's a C chord. You know, there, there's my E minor chord. And uh, realizing that they exist in basically an infinite number of combinations. I mean, you could play the chords in so many different ways, um, and you could add so many other sounds to the chords too. It's a huge thing to just open up your mind to. Um, and I, I think that the 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 first thing that it's going to help you with the most is you're not going to have those like fingers that have like lockjaw. Sometimes I teach these people. And I say like, oh, you know, like a lot of bluegrass people like do their G chord this way. You want to try that? And they like can't get their hand to like move into that new shape. Like they've been doing this one thing for so long that they can no longer just change chords. And I think that's crazy because I play my G chord like 20 different ways. And, you know, they can't try just one different way. Um, So make sure that stays fluid in your mind. You don't want to like let that uh, concrete set or anything. So I guess the way that you would practice that, right, would actually be to, dare I say, learn your arpeggios mm-hmm. and realize that any combinations of those can be new versions of the chord. And, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it's something that could go on for forever. Those, like I said, those examples and those combinations. And even though they're all the same chord, they're going to have different feelings and stuff like that. So, I mean, that helped me so much. Mm-hmm. What what you're saying actually, I can piggyback back off of that to my next point. Uh, do you know your triads and their inversions, and do you know them like across all the string sets? It sounds like a children's book. <laughs> do you know your triads? Ominous foreshadowing. <laughs> um, so let's just take the C major triad. Um. I'm starting 8th fret E string, 7th fret A string, uh, 5th fret D string. 
And you could also play that. Um, eighth fret, E string, seventh fret, A string, tenth fret, uh, A string. You could also play that eighth fret, E string, twelfth uh, fret, E string, tenth fret, uh, A string. Those are three different ways to voice your uh, your major triad, um, and uh, any any set that that works off two strings, like eight next string, seven ten, you can use that on this set of strings: the E and the A, A and the D, the G, the D and the G, and the B and the E. But then we have a problem when we get here. The B string, the bane of all guitar players' existence. Um, so it's do always you, out of tune, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, once you get it to sound like perfectly right, you're actually, uh, what is it, 14 cents sharp? Yeah, something like that. Um, because of equal temperament. Another Hashtag not going there. <laughs> okay, I cannot go there today. But do you know all of your triads uh crossing the the B string? Like say you have your C here on the tenth fret of the D string. Ten D, nine G, uh eight B five G, uh, 9, G, 8, B. 5, G, 5, E, 8, B. Sorry, I'm having, I'm having some trouble counting today. What fret am I at? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. <laughs> um, and then there's another set that crosses the B string, the, um, Five G, five E, five B, I mean, and three E. And uh, congratulations, you know the C major triad over a bunch of different string sets and different ways to play them. Do you know all your inversions? <laughs> uh, uh, Isn't that Sarah, the worst? <laughs> you, yeah. you finally feel like you get somewhere, and then you realize you're only like, two-thirds oh, of the no. way done. Yeah. <clears throat> So little Sarah knows all of her inversions, but little Timmy does not. <laughs> That's I'm writing your children's book for you. Um, so an inversion of a triad is that's uh, root position. You start on the root. This is first inversion, and this is a second inversion, starting on the fifth. Yeah, I was gonna say, please play taps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now you've got an entirely different set of uh, triads to learn over all the different strings, how to do it on three strings, how to do it on two strings, how to cross the B string uh, both ways. 
Um, and I'll include some tab uh, for this exercise because I have started on a book called Line Construction, The Building Blocks of uh, Basic Jazz Lines. Um, as hashtag not spawned by myself. Um, this, this that sounds is, like a great children's book. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not for children because uh, it's not like adult oriented or anything. It just might have a lot of big words in it because I like to use big <laughs> words to sound smart. The conversation is getting weird. So this is an adult book. You'd find it in the adult section. <laughs> it's a book for people who understand big words, <laughs> a.k.a. not me. But uh, um, Love it. And it's basically going to go through my my process of like how I would like construct a, a line for jazz and grass. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like the major scale and all those positions and all the, the triads and inversions and uh, yeah, like do you know your triads and do you know your inversions? Probably not good enough because I don't know my yeah. mind good enough. I'm still learning. <laughs> this book is half for me to to actually ha- like practice all of these things that I should know by now. Yeah, I actually found that a lot when I was um, when I started writing the text lessons from my website. I just found that it was like a great way to organize my mind. You know, I like I wanted to write more and more because I was like, oh yeah, everything I know is like being written down now. And whenever I need to like check something, I can like basically check my own notes. Like, yeah, what did I say about that? And I go to my own website and look. Um, now you'll have a book to do that with. <laughs> um, you got any more building blocks? Yeah, definitely, dude. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, another, another really good building block for a lot of people, I think, would be... Um, yeah, and I, man, I hate saying this too because I don't want to be that guy. But, uh, you know, kind of uh, dealing with like uh, the tension and release of a solo. Of mm-hmm. like, there's, you know, there's there's moments with higher tension where like maybe they'll be more syncopated or maybe they'll have more chromatic notes or maybe they'll have, uh, you know, like weird alterations and extensions to the chords. Or like, there's, there's lots of ways that you can create that, right? And that's uh, setting up to be resolved in some way even if it's just for a second, you know, for people to get their feet back on the ground. And I feel like one of the things that, you know, that I hear in like amateur solos, regardless of genre, is um, that disregard for that. You know, like for instance, it's really obvious in like blues solos, uh, if, if there is no arc to the solo, if it's just like this guy playing blues licks, you know, ad nauseum, just, you know, for five minutes. I call those blues non sequiturs. And I played with a guy who played nothing but blues non sequiturs, <laughs> including like right in the middle of uh, this original band that I play in that does stuff in the style of like 90s alternative rock. So like it was a, you know, a song. Hit you like, with that blues lick. And then you just hear like, you know. While the lady is singing. Yeah, not the time for it. Yeah, well, the line I'm looking for is more like... So 
something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, continue. Yeah, there's, there's, I, I mean, there's just a way to like play to the situation or play to the like. Uh, once again, man, hate using these words, but like the story that's being told in the court changes, because court changes are built to like. I mean, to be interesting, they have to have you know uh, attention and release. There has to be some kind of movement that continues through it. And if you don't honor that and how your solo is, you know, phrased or articulated or in your no choice or whatever it happens to be, right? You you don't necessarily play a very good solo. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not even all about solos. Like, you know, it's just like writing lead parts or anything, right? Like, that's just how you have to create a tune, even a vocal melody, right? Yeah, absolutely. And to give, like, sort of a jazz perspective on this um take like a chord going to another chord like uh d minor 7 to g7 was just stay in the key of uh c for the time being like just common resolutions between those two chords like that's a good resolution That's a good resolution. Um, uh, or you could do all sorts of different things to, to resolve to that chord. You can use enclosures. I encourage you to like just check out like a one six two five in the key of C. Um, I apologize for not tuning my guitar before the podcast, but I'm not going to fix it now. So <laughs> hashtag sorry, not sorry. Um, take all the chords in a one six two five in 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 C, and like look at the what's happening between chords. Like, how can I resolve D minor to G7? How can I resolve G7 to C major? How can I resolve C major to A7? And how can I resolve A7 to D minor? That's that's a, one of my favorite ways to resolve A to D. Sharp five on A7 to nine of D. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I can play sometimes. Uh, yeah, totally. Why don't you hit us with one more, man? All right. Um, we've been talking a lot about harmony and like technical facility. So I'll just uh, give a little shout out to my homeboy, Mr. Rhythm. Uh, get your rhythm like in check. Um, make sure you can play like with a metronome and that's, that's super important. Uh, but make, uh, one way to build off that is to, you know, you got a metronome.
could have that metronome on be on two and four, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You could have that metronome uh, click on every third beat. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a human metronome. I never claimed to be, but... Um, <laughs> click, click, click. You, you get the idea. You do all sorts of things like, you know, dotted eighth notes, uh, have the metronome click on one of every second bar, one of every fourth bar. Um, you can practice syncopations like ba da ba ba. Um, it's a real funky one. You hear that all the time. Ba da ba 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 da. Justin Timberlake suit and tie. <laughs> um, yeah, use a metronome and start from just playing uh, quarter notes along with the metronome and then start using the metronome to play like against and not as a tool like a crutch, but as sort of something to measure your own time against and something to develop your own time with because you're not always going to get to have a metronome, uh, but uh, you can use a metronome to receive your own time. And uh, you always get to have your own time. Yeah, I think that, that you're kind of hitting on what I was going to say about the metronome is that a lot of times when people play with the metronome, uh, you know, in their practice, it's like the metronome is a separate entity away from them. And it doesn't work like that. You can't play it like that. And I hate listening to people play with a metronome like that, where, like, they're always just slightly before or slightly after. Or maybe even they get completely away from the metronome. They're speeding up or slowing down, and they'll go for, like, three measures before they notice. Um, that's not the kind of practice you want to do. You really want to be, like, internalizing that rhythm and subdividing in your head and making sure that you are becoming one with the metronome. Um, you know, I, I tell my students that I want... Uh, you know, I want I want the click to disappear beneath the notes you're playing, right? If you're playing on the beat, I want that, you know, not even to be able to hear the metronome because you're so, you know, just locked in to right where it is. Um, yeah, and, and I think that maybe that's why a lot of people feel, like, dismayed by the idea of a metronome in their personal practice. So, you know, yeah, that, there's, there's another really good example. Sometimes I have students who have trouble with metronomes because... Um, right when they're about to play, they don't even take time to like hear and feel the metronome. And I think maybe some of it has to do it with me too, because when a metronome is playing, I don't really have to think about it. My mind is already like aligned to this metronome, even if I'm talking and doing something else. Um, so I can just pop in and out to give my examples. But when you know when they play, maybe it would be you know a better idea. And I tell them this, you know, listen to that metronome for like two measures. Like get your whole body aligned. Start tapping your foot. Start you know, subdividing in your head, doing eighth notes or whatever it is you need to do so that way you're ready to go. And, uh, oh man, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing the the hard work that, uh, that we kind of take for granted, you know, 
doing music when we were young. Mm-hmm. And no matter what kind of music we were doing, just getting a sense of time instilled in us. Um, there's lots of people out there that are working really hard just for that part of music. And I applaud them for being willing to do that. I spent, when I was 17, 18 years old, for about three months, four hours a day with a metronome. And I still feel like uh, I, I, I'm going to need two more of those sessions in my life to get my time to where I want it to be. Yeah. But the metronome, uh, like if you have a good one, like if your phone uh, isn't, you know, low on RAM or you got one with good quartz in it, uh, the metronome will expose you for what you are and where your time is. And it will also, again, if you have a good one, uh, it will never lie to you. Um, so the metronome is my best friend because it doesn't lie to me. Unless the battery's running out, and then <laughs> he gets a little sleepy by and starts slowing down. <laughs> uh, yeah, the metronome thing is is a pretty huge deal. Uh, metronome humble brag. One time I was in a um, I was in a studio, and we were about to track a new song, and we had just set the metronome to the to the speed we liked, and. Um, the the engineer, you know, wanted to uh, test my guitar real quick, the mic placement, whatever. He asked me to play a little bit, and I played the song. And while I was playing, he turned on the metronome, and I was right with it. Just, like, incredible. Like, I had already been listening to it, and I was like, oh, man, this is my coolest moment, and, like, no one's here to appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear about my coolest moment that nobody was here to appreciate? Uh, yeah, does it involve a bottle flip? Almost. <laughs> um, I was opening my freezer to get a hot pocket, and uh, I set my coffee like too far off the edge, like my coffee can. And I was holding uh-huh. a plate, and I opened the freezer, and the coffee can falls, and I just move my plate slightly, and lands. it lands face up <laughs> on my plate. And nobody was home, and I got really sad about it because it was so cool. It was the coolest thing I'd ever done. You just ate your victory hot pocket alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about you, but I think mine's a little bit cooler than you having impe- impeccable time. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. Mine didn't even have a hot pocket in it, so I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Um. um. Yeah, that, I should have added that to the end of my story. And then like a couple months later, maybe for some reason I had a hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that really ties up all the loose ends. Any questions you might have, that answers them. Um, oh, man. I think on that note, I think, I think it's segments. time to wrap it up. Real quick. Oh, yeah. Just for yeah, me. Um, what am I working on? I'm working on my book. That's it. Oh, well, I mean, well done. Can't wait to read your book. Um, Man, what am I working on? Um, I know uh, I've uh, said these a lot, but um, I'm definitely still working on my website. It's been uh, a crazy ordeal. I'm not going to bore you with any of the specifics, but um, yeah, really just trying to get that thing done. I really want to get that thing out there. Lyman's seen it now. You've Mm -hmm. actually experienced the website. I bought something for zero (laughs) dollars. Yeah, that's right. If you're a real internet sleuth, you can hunt down the uh, test website and you can buy something. Um, did you did you get my <laughs> me signing up for the the email newsletter? 
Ooh, I'm not sure that's set up. Oh, I'm not okay. sure I saw that. Um, but thanks for doing that at least so that I, I remember that I have to do that now. <laughs> so many things I have to do. <laughs> um, oh, so, something cool. I just ordered my my Canon Rebel T6 camera. So my, my Jazz and Grass videos aren't going to look like as much garbage compared to Marcel's uh, anymore. <laughs> It'll still probably look a little bit garbagey, but... Less, way less garbagey than they are right now. Yeah, that sounds like a, a nice camera. So in Terminator, that was the T1. This is the T6. So yeah, just like a, a super nice like Android. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> times six. Like an Android. <laughs> I'm holding up my phone. <laughs> I'm looking for a picture of data. I can't find one. <laughs> uh, love it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a podcast. We should tell people where, where we are. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hey everyone, my name's Marcel. You can find all of my stuff, uh, just by looking around for Lessons with Marcel. So you can find me on uh, Twitter if you want to read my tweets about Dungeons and Dragons. You can find me on Instagram if you want to see, uh, some dopey pictures. And you can find me on Facebook if you want to see reposts of my YouTube videos, which is the main reason most people follow me is on YouTube. Lessons with Marcel. I do guitar lessons every single week on Wednesday. Um, yeah, you can also check out my website, lessonswithmarcel.com. Like I said just a second ago, big update to the website coming soon, but please go enjoy the old website while you can because it will be, it will be goodbye forever soon. Well, bye-bye. Um... <laughs> I'm Lyman Lipke. You can find me at LymanLipke.com and that will lead you to my SoundCloud where I release a lo-fi hip-hop jazz-inspired type beat that I take a solo over um, twice every week. Um, it'll lead you to uh, uh, this podcast, actually, so you can get trapped in an infinite loop. Yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> And you can you can study with me there. Uh, it's got a contact page if you would if you're interested in you know taking a lesson or two from me. Um, yeah, man. Oh, I wanted to point out too that the the music for the podcast. I'm not sure if you've ever said this, but it's it's from you. It's from your uh, it's from your your SoundCloud stuff. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure. I, what, what's the track called? Uh, oh, I have the names in the project file. Um, I think these are both both released. Um, I think the intro is, it's a tune called Equivalent Exchange, and the outro is a tune called Broccoli Lady, and yes, they are my <laughs> lo-fi beats. I have not mentioned that 13 episodes in. I just sort of put them on the first episode and kept them in the project file. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, well, the only other thing we got to mention is that you should follow us on Instagram. Our joint account is Jazz and Grass if you haven't already followed us. New licks every single weekday, switching back and forth between bluegrass and jazz. I'm Grass, he's Jazz. It's great, I promise. Go check it out. It's wonderful. And uh, if you want another podcast, right, there's a new one coming out every single Sunday, so watch out for that. Yep, Sunday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Monday. <laughs> it all depends. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to get in touch, there's a number you can call. That number is 724-257-1046. That's 724-257-1046. 
<laughs> I was gonna say that number again, right? <laughs> in oh. the middle. <laughs> you, you beat me to it. Uh, I think we're fine. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, thanks for in. listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. I think this has been uh, this has been a good one. I like this one. Yeah, I had fun today. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you.